commend you guys for sticking with the, with everything. But uh, I'm enjoying it, and uh, we have our hero Jeremiah himself, and uh, he's he's just a suffering servant, so we we can relate on some level. But uh, some of you may have heard of uh, see. It's a famous preacher. I'm going to butcher it. But anyway, he said something just like, you know, reading about his suffering kind of should stir us to realize, you know, how fall, how short we fall, you know, of being the servant of God that we need to be. So anyway, definitely he's a example to us of how to suffer. But uh, we'll look at that map here in just a minute. You probably recognize. Looks like gas. Yeah. The sunlight. Sunlight. Yeah. They went out of business. They made good maps. That's why you said they went out of business. But uh, anyway, we are in Jeremiah chapter 39, and this is kind of a pinnacle chapter because I feel like we've been working up to chapter 39 from the beginning. We've seen just so many different uh, prophecies about the coming destruction of Jerusalem. And what, what's funny is the, the destruction of Jerusalem is described in a fuller detail in, uh, in the end of Second Kings and the end of Second Chronicles. So we're going to look at those some today. There's really only one verse, it seems like to me, that's dedicated to... Oh yeah, the Babylon's destroyed Jerusalem by fire, and and then it just goes on talking, and I'm thinking, well, that that's a pretty big deal. But uh, that's what's cool about the Bible is you've got to study to get all these different. You know, like I got to talk about before the, hand, the describing an elephant, the blind guy is describing. Yeah, all these different pieces. Uh huh. Put together. <laughs> but yeah, this is a, a monumental event. And uh, also the character we haven't talked about maybe as much as we should is just Nebuchadnezzar himself is is a type of the Antichrist. He, uh, in Jeremiah, calls him, uh, I believe it calls him God's servant because he's chastising his people using Babylon. But nevertheless, uh, he's a type of the Antichrist. He's persecuting God's people. And uh, I'm trying to kind of work out some of the timeline, and we'll, we'll talk about that here in a little bit. But let's uh, let's all turn to Jeremiah 39. If I can find it, would uh, somebody read these first three verses for us of Jeremiah 39? In the ninth year of Zedekiah, king of Judah, in the tenth month, came Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, and all his army against Jerusalem, and they besieged him. And in the eleventh year of Zedekiah, in the fourth month, the ninth day of the month, the sea was broken up. And all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate, even Nergal, Sherezar, 
Sam Darnico, Sar Shitkins, Rav Saris, Nergal, Shower, Reaser, Rav Mag, and all the residue of the Princess of the King of Babylon. Good job. Good job. <laughs> well, if you, if you look at your hand out there, uh, this this happened uh, this last siege if you remember a couple chapters ago the Babylonians had left fighting against Jerusalem to go fight against the Egyptians but now they came back and they came back with a vengeance and it took them you know 16 to 18 months here to conquer it and it, it gives some exact dates there it gives some of the similar dates in uh, in Jeremiah 52 but I'll draw this up here again. I think we've drawn it before. Just kind of a timeline. But it, it was around... Well, let me just draw the whole line. It was around 605 B.C. That... Uh, that and, and But we're, we're right at the end of that. And we're about 586 B.C. Is is uh, Jeremiah thirty nine, <clears throat> and so this is right when Nebuchadnezzar is taking the last deportation to Babylon. Uh, so this is when he took Daniel. We know Daniel in the lion's den, and I think in my mind, I'm 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 thinking. I'm trying to like uh, locate where Nebuchadnezzar, because you remember he builds an image, he builds this image in the plains of Shinar there, and they're supposed to bow down and worship it, and that's the story of Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So I'm guessing that that happens in here sometime, and uh, more more toward the beginning. So he's got his army over here at Jerusalem, but he's back in Babylon, and. Uh, Anyway, his uh, his princes are mentioned here that Pam read, and I want you to notice in verse three that Pam read. It said uh, all the princes of the king of Babylon came in and sat in the middle gate, and I'm not exactly sure which is the middle gate, but I want us to uh, turn hold our place here and let's look at Proverbs 31. And yeah, Jeremiah one it said it foretells this and says that it's uh, uh, the. Never mind. The king of the middle mm-hmm. gate. I thought it told which gate. Uh, which is the middle gate? But Jeremiah foretells what's going to happen. Okay, okay. So let's hold our place here and let's look at uh, Proverbs 31 about this virtuous woman. Because in my Bible, that's where I keep references to this thing about gates. So look, the very last chapter of Proverbs, Proverbs 31. And uh, I'll read a couple verses here. Look down at verse 23. Talking about this virtuous woman. It says, Her husband is known in the gates when he sitteth among the elders of the land. And I probably don't understand this as well as I should, but I do know that gates are where the leaders, it's where uh, some commerce is done. Like if you raise you know olives out here on your olives trees and you want to take them into Jerusalem and sell them 
they would probably do these transactions in the gates. You know, there'd probably be markets. But the leaders sat there as well in case, you know, to make judgments and uh, maybe some other transactions, uh, you know, that officials would have to do. And uh, then look at the very last verse of Proverbs 31. Verse 31 says, Give her of the fruit of her hands and let her own works praise her in the gates. And uh, we've all probably heard jokes about uh, going to heaven and Peter at the pearly gates, meeting Peter at the pearly gates. And so... You know, a gate or a door, essentially that door is a gate because it's a place of controlled entry, right? And, you know, if that door's locked, it's going to limit who can get in. You you would have to have a key to get in. And so... Uh, so when when Pam read our Jeremiah 39 and the the princes of Babylon are setting in Jerusalem's middle gate that means they are now the leaders there they they have now conquered the city and uh they they are ruling and we're going to read that when Zedekiah sees that he flees he he leaves Jerusalem and he he has now lost control of Jerusalem. And so that's what your blank is on your handout is just the word gates. Babylon's princes now sit in Jerusalem's gates. And it represents uh, they're now the leaders. They are now ruling. And I thought we might look at a couple of other places in our Bible about gates. And you can you can write these in your Bible in, in Proverbs 31 if you kind of want to start a list. Um, I'll give three or... F- Did somebody say something? No? Um, let me give you... Jim, why don't you look up this one? Deuteronomy 22.15. And uh, Pam J... How about uh, Genesis twenty-two seventeen? I'll put these up here. And Pam A, why don't you do Job, the book of Job, twenty-nine seven? And let's see, we got Pat. If you could do First Kings twenty two ten. First Kings twenty two ten. And uh, Jason, I'm gonna give you one, brother. I got a couple more, but uh I'll just jump down to this last one. We'll give you Ruth four one. That's Boaz, Ruth 4.1. And Angie, I'll give you one. Second, second Samuel. Now let's just kind of put these together. We'll see 19.8. We'll just see kind of what the Bible says about gates here. Jim, uh, you got that first one? Yep. says... Then shall the father of the damsel and her mother take and bring forth the tokens of the damsel's virginity under the elders of the city in the gate. 
So elders are in the gate, and uh, so now there's this uh, proof of virginity for this uh, person to get married, and that's brought into the gate. So there's even some marital marital issues brought up in the gates. Uh, Pam, do you have this other one, the Genesis? 22, uh, Genesis 22, 17. Yeah. That, um, let me go back. By myself have I sworn, said the Lord, for because thou hast done this thing and hast not withheld my son, thine only son, that in blessing I will bless thee, and in multiplying I will multiply thy seed as the stars of the heaven. And as the sand which is upon the seashore, and thy seed shall possess the gate of his enemies. Okay, so so Abraham's seed is going to possess the gates of his enemies. So he'll 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 conquer cities. He'll he'll lead. He'll have leadership in other parts of the promised land. There, uh, Pam May. Uh, Job 29.7 When I went out to the gate through the city when I prepared my seat in the street. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, read the next one too. It talks about the poor came to him. And the young men saw me and hid themselves and the aged arose and stood up. Yeah, so he, he was respected before his all this happened. He he was in the city gates. He He was a leader. People respected him. Young men did this, and old men stood up when he came in. And, uh, Pat, you got uh, the next one, second, First Kings. Sure. Um, it says, "In the king of Israel, King Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, sat each on his throne, having put on the robes in a void place in the entrance of the gate of Samaria, and all the prophets prophesied before them." Yeah, so Jehoshaphat was kind of helping Ahab, and Samaria was the kind of the capital of the northern ten tribes. And so Jehoshaphat and Ahab sat in the gate at Samaria. So and people came and they were prophesying there. So maybe that's also a time for the prophets to prophesy to the people as leaders were in the gates. And then uh, Jason, you got the Ruth passage. Yep. Then went Boaz up to the gate and sat down there. And behold, the kinsmen of Boaz, of whom Boaz spake, came by unto him and said, "Ho, oh, such a turn, such a one, turn aside, sit down here." And he turned aside and sat down. Yeah, so Boaz is going to uh, redeem the land, and with it he's going to get uh, Ruth to be his bride, and that all happened in the gate as he sat down there. And Angie, you got that one, the Second Samuel? Second Samuel 19.8. Then the king arose and sat in the gate, and they told unto all the people, saying, Behold, the king doth sit in the gate, and all the people came before the king, for Israel had fled every man to his tent. All right, so just uh, same thing. So anyway, a lot of this, I think, pictures, you know, the heavenly Jerusalem and the gates there and the throne that's therein and and uh, the these 12, the 12 gates of heaven, I believe, are named after the 12 tribes of Israel. And so they're they're going to have uh, their, their representatives at those gates. And... Uh, 
or is that the apostles? Or the apostles are the foundations it's the, yeah, New in the in the New Jerusalem. But anyway, uh, now let's go back to Jeremiah. So, so this is pretty monumental that the Babylonian princes and leaders are now setting in the gate at Jerusalem. So that that's what I'm trying to uh, teach here this morning and point out from the text is that uh, this is a big deal. <clears throat> and my teaching point there is, is probably kind of weak. I just put that Judah's lack of leadership left a vacuum for Babylon's leadership to come in. And so... Uh, in some degrees that that happens today if we don't have good uh, strong leaders you know uh, people are going to maybe follow the wrong the wrong folks so we we do need to continue to teach our children and train up a child in the way he should go and to uh, to uh, promote good leaders uh, in our church in our land and that was um, a failure there on behalf on the part of Judah. So, anyway, this next section, we'll see what happens with Zedekiah, uh, Jeremiah thirty nine four. And it came to pass that when Zedekiah the king of Judah saw them, in other words, he saw the people Babylonians in the gate and all the men of war, then they fled and went forth out of the city by night by the way of the king's garden by the gate betwixt the two walls and he went out the way of the plain but the Chaldean Chaldean's army pursued after them and overtook Zedekiah in the plains of Jericho and when they had taken him they brought him up to Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon to Riblah in the land of Hamath where he gave judgment upon them and and I'll stop right there for a second because uh, Jim got the maps out this morning so when we see so right down in here is Jerusalem and it says he flees toward the plains of Jericho so if you remember uh, when Joshua brought the people into the land, you know, they march around the walls of Jericho and the walls fall down. Uh, so just, I'm trying to think, it's probably 20, 30 miles from Jericho to Jerusalem. Uh, that's that's my guess. But So Jericho is right pretty close to the Jordan River. And so uh, Zedekiah... Uh, he's not alone. Evidently, he takes his family and maybe some of his servants, and they flee the other way from the enemy. But they capture him, and so th- this is what I thought was interesting: is that they take him to Ribla, it in the land of Hamath, and Hamath is clear up here. So it sounds like uh, Nebuchadnezzar is not in Babylon, but he's over here in Hamath. And and that's what I tried to picture. Uh, uh, Jason, can you shut the light off? Let's see if we can see this any better. I didn't know if this map would have Hamath. But, uh, Pat, I don't know how well you guys can see, but yeah. this, this says Ribla, and there's a question mark by it. 
But uh, Jerusalem's clear down here. And uh, they capture him, you know, by Jericho, but they take him clear to Ribla, and, and Hamath is clear up here. So it says Ribla's in the land of Hamath. But anyway, it just made me think, you know, Nebuchadnezzar wasn't right there at Jerusalem. Uh, I don't know if Ribla is evidently a place he had already conquered and maybe he had set up camp there. Maybe it's kind of partway between Babylon and partway between Jerusalem. But anyway, uh, so I mean it probably took several miles, I mean several days, a few days to get him. So the the Babylonians, uh, I think you can turn the light on now. Could you guys see that okay? Anyway, I just wanted to kind of give you an idea of the distance here. Uh, not all maps have that rib. I guess it's a little bit, uh, maybe it's uncertain where that town was. But Hamath is on this map up here, and it's on that map. So Hamath, it does mention. Uh, so now, now let's look at verse 6. Let's see what happens when Nebuchadnezzar brings Zedekiah up there. It says then in verse 6, Then the king of Babylon slew the sons of Zedekiah in Riblah before his eyes. Also the king of Babylon slew all the nobles of Judah. Moreover, he put out Zedekiah's eyes and bound him with chains to carry him to Babylon. And so that is uh, just horrific, isn't it? Um, I mean, I've known people that have lost children and how grievous that is to them. And But to have all your sons. So in other words, there's not going to be any uh, descendant of his to, you know, be king or a monarch to continue uh, in the family. And moreover, they, they put out his eyes and that just seems brutal and painful, doesn't it? And you, you can imagine just when you get a piece of dirt in your eye, how bad that hurts. And uh, you don't know if they did it with a knife or they did it with a hot iron or it doesn't give some of the specifics, but it just sounds very brutal. And it makes you wonder, like, when they're marching Zedekiah and his family up, if he's remembering that yeah. a few days earlier Jeremiah told him this is going to happen, yeah, and that if he would surrender, they would all live. It had to echo. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then he he, he kills his children right in front of him. Yeah. The last thing he sees before he takes yeah. it. Oh. So that image is just. Yeah, it's seared into his conscience. That would be horrifying. It is. It would be. Yeah. And uh, so, uh, let me, let me, let's look at a couple of cross-reverence here. Uh, look to Jeremiah 32 and verse 4. Because if you read this without knowing that Zedekiah was blinded, because it's telling him he's going to go to Babylon, but he's not going to see it. And so that's kind of the only way that that could happen is if he had his eyes put out. So Jeremiah 32, 4, we read, And Zedekiah, king of Judah, shall not escape out of the hand of the Chaldeans, but surely... 
but shall surely be delivered into the hand of the king of Babylon and shall speak with him mouth to mouth and his eyes shall behold his eyes. So he's going to see eye to eye uh, with Nebuchadnezzar and verse 5 and he shall lead Zedekiah to Babylon and there shall he be until I visit him saith the Lord though ye fight with the Chaldeans ye shall not prosper and then turn over to chapter 34 Jeremiah 34 3 just a couple of chapters over 34 3 says and thou shalt not escape out of his hand but shalt surely be taken and delivered into his hand and thine eyes shall behold the eyes of the king of Babylon and he shall speak with thee mouth to mouth and thou shalt go to Babylon and then the, the last place is in Ezekiel go to Ezekiel twelve thirteen. this is where it was kind of makes it you think that you're going to be in Babylon but you're not going to see it uh, Ezekiel twelve thirteen, and uh, Pam J we're back to you twelve thirteen. Sorry. It's alright. Ezekiel 12 and verse 13. 12, 13. Yeah. Yeah, it says something pretty cool there. Oh, good. My net also will I spread upon him, and he shall be taken in my snare, and I will bring him to Babylon, to the land of the uh, Chaldeans. Yet shall he not see it, though he shall die there. Yeah, he's not going to see it. You're going to die there. You're going to be there. You're just not going to see it. So that, that's pretty wild, isn't it? So that... God's, God's amazing. So, well, uh, what I put here on your teaching point on your handout is just how the enemy is always pursuing and seeking to devour. I put our children. I put the word children in there. I mean, he, he was pursuing Zedekiah, but he, he actually killed his children. And he wants, uh, he is wanting to control our vision. I put the word vision there. So children and vision, and I gave you a couple of, we're probably familiar with John 10.10, 10, you know, the thief cometh forth not but to kill, steal, and destroy, but Christ said he came to give us life and life more abundant. And then we know the first Peter 5 verse 8 is uh, that our adversary, the devil, walketh about as a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. And then there's Proverbs 29. I can't remember what that says. Uh, let, let, let's look at that one. I'm trying to think why I put it on there. Proverbs 29, 18. Twenty-nine, Here the Bible says, Oh, where there is no vision, the people perish. But he that keepeth the law, happy is he. So anyway, uh, Zedekiah, he had lost his vision. And 
Who who else in the Bible had their eyes put out? Do you anybody remember? It was Samson. It was. It was Samson, and uh, he he had an issue with his eyes and lusting after uh, strange women, you know, and so Samson had his eyes put out. And I don't know if there's any others or not. I can't. I couldn't think of any more. But anyway, uh, we we all need vision. We need uh, hope for the future and. Turn my phone on mute. All right. Well, let's go to this next section. Is there any other thoughts there about that? We're we're getting ready to read here in Jeremiah thirty-nine, verse eight. Really, is the key the key verse that talks about Jerusalem being destroyed. And so, uh, Pam Anderson, why don't you read verse eight for us? And the Chaldeans burn the king's house and the houses of the people with fire and break down the walls of Jerusalem. Yep. I mean, that's uh, that says a lot in that one verse. You say, yeah, the Chaldeans burned the king's house and the house of the people with fire, and they broke down the walls. But it says a lot there. <laughs> Look back uh, one chapter to chapter thirty-eight, verse seventeen might be on the same page it says then then said Jeremiah unto Zedekiah thus saith the Lord the God of hosts the God of Israel if thou wilt surely go forth unto the king of Babylon's princes then thy soul shall live and this city shall not be burned with fire and thou shalt live in thine house so Jeremiah prophesied it if you don't go with with the Babylonians they're going to burn the city and then look at verse 23 it says uh, thirty-eight twenty-three. So they shall bring out all thy wives and thy children to the Chaldeans, and thou shalt not escape out of their hand, but shalt be taken by the hand of the king of Babylon, and thou shalt cause this city to be burned with fire. So that that happened exactly like Jeremiah said, wasn't it? Your, your children's not going to escape. You're not going to escape. The city's going to be burned with fire, and all that happened. And so this is the final deportation. Uh, Pat, would you read verse 9 of, of 39? <clears throat> maybe, maybe 9 and 10. So it's going to tell us who went into captivity. Okay, it says, Then uh, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive into Babylon the remnant of the people that remained in the city and those that fell away and that fell to him with the rest of the people that remained. But Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, left of the poor of the people which had nothing in the land of Judah and gave them vineyards and fields in the same time, at the same time. Yeah, so there was there was this remnant of people, and I, I think it actually numbers how many. Uh, hold your place here. Let's all go to Jeremiah 52. We're kind of 
this is the very last chapter of Jeremiah. Go to Jeremiah 52 because it actually tells how many were in that remnant. It's uh, Jeremiah 52 and uh, 28 through 30. So this is right at the end of our book. So 28, Jeremiah 52, 28. And this is the people whom Nebuchadnezzar carried away captive in the 17th year, three... Okay, so here here's 3,000 Jews in 3 and 20. And then it says, In the 18th year of Nebuchadnezzar, he carried away captive from Jerusalem 830 and two persons. And then verse 30 is what we're reading in, in chapter 39. It says, In the 3 and 20th year of Nebuchadnezzar, uh, what Pat read, Nebuzaradan, the captain of the guard, carried away captive of the Jews 740 and five persons. All the persons were 4,600. So there's, there's the three captivities, the 17th year, the 18th year, and the 23rd year. Those are the three deportations. So they took 3,023 the first time. That was with Daniel. 832 the second time with Ezekiel and 745 here at the end with Zedekiah. So Zedekiah was blinded, but you know they they uh, led him away with this remnant, these 745 persons. So anyway, I, I, I like it. So there's over 4,600. And uh, <clears throat> Jim, I, I think, was it you that taught whenever... So 70 years later, when uh, uh, Zerubbabel leads a group back, I think there's like 40,000 come yeah. back with them. So there's 4,000. So they yeah. they increased. Yeah. They they they. Uh, there's like 10 times as many came back as went. So any questions about that? That's kind of interesting, don't you think? We're we're all. Are, is everybody putting this together a little bit? Uh, I'm just, uh, and, and I'll just share with you. For me personally, when when I got saved, I feel like I could have told you most of the Bible stories. Uh, e- even some of these. I mean, I was familiar with Babylonian captivity and the exile, and uh, the return from exile. I I had a lot of knowledge, but. Uh, I feel like what helped me to grow in my faith was I already had kind of a base of historical. You know, because there's three applications. There's historical, doctrinal, and inspirational. And so the inspirational uh, came a little easier, but uh, the doctrine is what I feel like in order to have the doctrine, you have to have the historical first. And so, hopefully, if, if nothing else, we're we're gaining some historical information to help us, you know, hear this Bible story, and and that that's going to kind of catapult us. So, if that's true, and Nebuchadnezzar is a type of the Antichrist, and this, uh, you know, when if you get, if you get to read in Daniel, it talks about. Uh, Daniel's 70th week and there's there's one week remaining and I mean all this starts building upon each other and, and connecting your whole Bible if we can get the historical down and we're seeing little bits of 
of, of devotional in here because you know we all have children and the enemy's after our children we so there's some devotional things here and we all need vision for our family uh, pastor brian is laying out um let, let me share with you kind of uh, Brian will talk about it more next I hope you all can be here next Sunday morning at 9 because uh, that's going to be an important uh, time I think he's got somebody else preaching during the main service but Brian himself is going to take the 9 o'clock hour we're going to have a financial update and uh, he's going to give kind of a vision for our church but look with me at Isaiah 26 3 Isaiah 26 is the theme verse for our church for this coming year Isaiah 26 3 and I bet some of you could quote that it's it's pretty famous 26.3 where the Bible says thou wilt keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed upon uh, stayed on thee because he trusteth in thee and Brian's emphasis is just going to be this thing of having peace it's kind of the uh, seventh year it's a year of of rest in the Jewish calendar but you know Brian has kind of a 49 year plan for this church and I think we're at the end of three cycles (coughs) we just had our 20 year anniversary and so anyway this is a, a year of peace and uh, so that's the theme verse for our church for the year. We need to keep trusting in the Lord and have our minds stayed upon Him. And God will give us peace for that. Um, <clears throat> anyway, so I gave you a on the back page of your handout my teaching point for this section. Somebody just mentioned that. Isaiah was written 15, 70 years before Zedekiah, so he had Isaiah. Yes, he, he did. He did, didn't he? One of those. Huh. And all the others. Yeah. He chose not to believe it. Yeah. That's so strong. You got some new water in here, didn't you? Yeah. You restocked it. <clears throat> Any other thoughts? Now, it'll mention, uh, so on your handout, I put uh, those days led to that day. I think I left you two blanks there. So the little phrase, that day, and uh, those words show up here at the end of this chapter. It's kind of why I put that. Uh, And so that that's a famous that's a famous phrase in our King James Bible that day, and it shows up here at the end of this. Uh, so what what I thought I would do for now, you know, we just read in Jeremiah thirty nine the destruction of Jerusalem, but I thought we would build on that let's go to the second kings 25 
because these other two places also tell about the destruction and it might give us more clarity on some of the things that happened. So go to go to Second Kings 25. This is the last chapter of, of the Kings. And we're going to read verses 8 through 12. And uh, Jason, do you want to read those 25, 8 through 12? And in the fifth month, on the seventh day of the month, which is the nineteenth year of King Nebuchadnezzar, King of Babylon, King Nebuchadnezzar, captain of the guard, a servant of the King of Babylon unto Jerusalem. And he burnt the house of the Lord, and the king's house, and all the houses of Jerusalem, and every great man's house burnt he with fire. And all the army of the Chaldeans, or the Chaldees, that were with the captain of the guard, break down the walls of Jerusalem round about. Now the rest of the people that were left in the city and the fugitives that fell away to the king of Babylon with the remnant of the Bophichim and Nebuzar Adin, the captain of the guard carried away. But the captain of the guard left of the poor of the land to be then Okay, thank you. So yeah, that says very similar to what we read in in Jeremiah 39. There's a little more... uh, I don't think uh, Jeremiah 39 mentioned the burning of the house of the Lord, but but here in verse 9 it does that he he burnt the temp, uh, the temple down so they they destroyed the temple and who had built that temple do you guys remember Yeah it was King Solomon uh, had built that temple and so uh, Moses had a tabernacle and then uh, when they had kings you know David desired to build the temple but the Lord allowed his son to build it uh, Solomon and so uh Anyway, they they destroyed the temple. Now now go to the other place, Second Chronicles thirty six, and this is a little longer passage, and this gives us a little more light. So Second Chronicles thirty six, and I I think I left off a number there, but it's seventeen through twenty something here, maybe twenty one. Uh, who wants to read that, Jim? Can you, uh, 17 through 21? Yep. Therefore he brought unto them the king of the Chaldees, who slew their young men with the sword in the house of their sanctuary, and had no compassion upon the young man or maiden, old man, or him that stooped for age. He gave them all into his hand. And all the vessels of the house of God, great and small, and the treasures of the house of the Lord, and his treasures of the king, as princes, and all these he brought to Babylon. And they burnt the house of God, they break down the wall of Jerusalem, they burnt all the palaces thereof with fire, and destroyed all the godly, goodly vessels thereof. And them that had escaped from the sword carried he away to Babylon, when they were servants to him, where they were servants to him, and the sons under the reign until the reign of the kingdom of Persia. Wow, that's a little Okay. To fulfill the word of the Lord by the mouth of Jeremiah, until the land had until the land had enjoyed her Sabbaths. For as long as she lay desolate, she kept Sabbath to fulfill three score and ten years. Okay. Now, how how long is three score and ten years? 
70. Uh, uh, yeah, three score. A score is 20, so three score would be 60, and 10 would be 70. So, uh, so th- this gives us a little more light. Uh, Jim read that they were there until the reign of the king of Persia. So, so now this is this is giving us. Not only did a lot of people die, but 700 more were the remnant, 745, were carried away captive. So they they burn the great men's houses, they burn the temple, they break down the walls, they kill the young men. They had no, it says, uh, what did they say, no compassion or no mercy, no compassion. Young men or maiden or old men, so they, they killed a whole bunch. They took some captive, and they left a few poor people to tend. So they didn't want it just to grow up with weeds. You know, they're now the they're now the rulers of of Jerusalem and really the Promised Land. And so they don't want it to, you know, they need the weed eaten done, the grass mowed, and they need the vines dressed. So they left a few poor people there. Uh, and then uh, it said, until the reign of the king of Persia. Who who was that king of Persia that tells them to go back to the land later after the 70 years? It was Cyrus. Yeah, it says it just a couple more verses down. And so, uh, anyway, that that's uh, really the pinnacle of this book. And uh, we'll go back to Jeremiah 39 now. And there's going to be... I haven't read ahead too much, but from just uh, the outlines and stuff that I, I see, there's going to be... Jeremiah's got a lot more prophesying to do. And, you, you know, in the midst of this destruction... Jeremiah is still in the court of the prison. He's still locked up. So, I mean, he's hearing people dying and probably seeing a lot of this. The temple's on fire. The king's run out of the town. The enemy's in the gates. I mean, and Jeremiah's just in prison there kind of watching. It's like that he would just have a front row seat to everything he had been prophesying. It's like, he, you know, he'd probably be like, wow, Lord, this happened just like you said. And he's watching it. So, let's see what happens to Jeremiah here he has some peace in the middle of this storm Uh, Jeremiah 39 Angie would you read 11 through 14 now Nebuchadnezzar king of Babylon gave charge concerning Jeremiah to Nebuchadnezzar the captain of the guard saying take him and look well to him and do him no harm but do unto him even as he shall say unto thee. So Nebuchadnezzar, the captain of the guard, sent, and Nebuchadnezzar, Rabazaris, and Nergalsharizar, Rabmag, and all the king of Babylon's princes. How far? Uh, one more verse. Even they sent and took Jeremiah out of the court of the prison and committed him unto Gedaliah, the son of Hiakim the son of Shaphan, that he should carry him home, so he dwelt among the people. Uh, Just as she was reading that, I I believe this Gedaliah, 
I believe he was left there. I think he becomes kind of the the leader of the poor people that were the vine dressers that get to stay there. So I, I kind of wanted to highlight his name. But uh, on on your handout, <clears throat> uh, letter A. Uh, Jeremiah was spared from captivity and he was given great liberty if you notice uh, and Jason Jason, how did you pronounce that captain of the guard Nebu what? Zeradan? I thought you said it really good at the verse 10 oh, uh, Nebu Zeradan Zeradan yeah when you read it I thought because we're all having trouble with that Nebu Zeradan um so he he in verses eleven and twelve, uh, in verse twelve it says, "Take him and look well to him, and do no harm to him, but do even unto him, do unto him even as he shall say unto thee." That that's pretty amazing, isn't it? With with all the killing and burning and breaking down, they're like, "Hey, go to Jeremiah and take good care of him. Whatever he asks, you know, just take care of him." And in verses 13 and 14 that Angie read, uh, notice in verse 14, even they sent and took Jeremiah out of the court of the prison and committed him unto Gedaliah, the son of Ahikam, the son of Zapham, that he should carry him home. I put the word home in your blank. Uh, And Pat, I'm going to call on you for just a second because uh, you know Pat wrote our, our recovery material the journey home and you really illustrate well in there uh, your own struggles and at the time where you just wanted to go home and I just thought that was pretty profound and and uh, I don't know if you can tell on the map but the tribe of Judah and the tribe of Benjamin almost overlap right there at Benjamin and uh, or at Jerusalem, and uh, so Jeremiah's home wasn't too far away. And you know, if they're telling Jeremiah, you know, we'll give you whatever you want, take you wherever you want to go, that's where he wanted to go. He just wanted to go home. And I thought of you. I don't know if you want to comment any on that. Yeah, I thought that was really cool. So I don't, I don't think I put that in the book. That I saw it later. Okay. And, and yeah, it's like because he obeyed, you know, what God was telling him to do and say. And look at all the things that he went through. But then finally, he didn't. He didn't get taken away. Mm. He just got to go home. Yeah. And yeah. enjoy, you know, I mean, yeah, family and, and God and yeah. In the midst of one thing I read was like where we are now, the thirteen people. That this is the first time that um, since Jeremiah started prophesying that we see peace and harmony huh. in the lives of the people. Okay. It's this is okay. Turn around. Okay. Yeah, and and you know what's really cool. It said that the poor inherited the vineyard. Yeah. So it's kind of like us, or it's yeah. Israel, and God says, blessed are the poor, Yeah. for they shall see. I thought of that too. It's like people who never had anything got the inheritance here. It's all flipped. And God's good. And uh, I know, now, how many of you grew up in Cass County? How many of us? You did? So really only one of us. But 
I, I know for me, when I go to my dad's house, I always say, you know, I'm going up home. Angela, I'm going home for the weekend. I mean, we our home is in Raymore, and that's where we raised our kids. And I suppose to our kids, Raymore is their home. But uh, if, and I don't know if you guys are like, is, is Honduras, you still consider that's home? Probably. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so... You've been here for 10 or 15 years, but Honduras is still home, maybe. And so, anyway, uh, I just thought that was neat that it mentions the word home here. Uh, Now, my teaching point here, I I won't mention this person's name, but this is someone that I befriended through our recovery program. And I worked with this person for... 10 or 12 years and uh and we're still friends today but uh anyway he's not at our church anymore but he gave me a little placard and i don't know where it's at to my shame but it had this verse on it that i i i think of in in your teaching point there hebrews 6 10 i put it on your handout for god is not unrighteous to forget your work and labor of love which you have showed toward his name in that ye have ministered to the saints and do minister. And so I, I kind of thought of Jeremiah when I uh, when I, I thought of this verse when I thought of Jeremiah that God did not forget his work. God did not forget his labor of love which he uh, showed uh, toward the tribe of Judah and the leadership in God's name and he tried to minister to the saints and Baruch and uh, even Josiah that had been king and other kings so anyway I just thought that was a a cool verse to bring out God uh, God remembered Jeremiah and then let's see who else God remembers these uh, 15 through 18 uh, back to Pam J uh, 15 through the end now the word of the Lord came unto Jeremiah while he was shut up in the court of the prison saying go and speak to Abedmelech the Ethiopian saying thus saith the Lord of hosts the God of Israel behold I will bring my words upon this city for evil and not for good and they shall be accomplished in that day before thee but I will deliver thee in that day saith the Lord and thou shalt not be given into the hand of the men of whom thou art afraid for I will surely deliver thee and thou shalt not fall by the sword but thy life shall be for a prey unto thee because thou hast put my trust in me saith the Lord Amen so my other next blank there was that God rewards those who trust him and that's why we see that with this uh, Abed Malek that uh, this Ethiopian that had helped Jeremiah remember he, he got the guys and pulled him out of the pit that he was in and so uh, God brings this man to Jeremiah's mind you know like before you go home go and, go and help this guy and let's let's uh, and did you guys see at the end of verse 16 and the beginning of verse 17 it mentions that day uh, twice there so you know we think of that day as the coming of the Lord but uh, historically that day was was this day the day of destruction of Jerusalem and and so 
that he he was delivered in that day and should not be given into the hand of the Babylonians and he gets delivered and why why is it that he was delivered at the end of verse 18 that's it he trusted so that that's your last blank the word trusted and that that that's a powerful word some of you have seen me do I should have done I should have brought this I've got a great big rat trap you ever see the rat not just the mice trap but the rat traps and I I do a little this is the only magic trick I know how to do is I I tell people you got to trust me I promise you this I, I set the trap and I tell you that I promise you that this if you touch this it's not going to hurt you uh, you haven't seen me do that? I've, seen that. I've done it twice. That sounds cool. Don't give it away. Okay, I won't tell you. So you have to trust. And I remember one time it was Cameron Quinlan trusted me, and it, it didn't, it didn't, it didn't bite him. And uh, I can't remember who the other one was when I did it. I should have brought. But uh, yeah, so you know when you trust somebody, you know you're. You're believing on them to a point that you act on that, I guess. And so, uh, the the famous story, and and this was going on when we were kids. They used to have tightrope walkers across the Niagara Falls. You remember that? Oh yeah, I, I forget who the famous guy was. He actually had a wheelbarrow. He took the wheel off and guided a wheelbarrow and uh, he, he, went, he went across or so far and, and he came back to the crowd and they're all applauding him and they're like <laughs> they say you know, how many of you believe that I can push this wheelbarrow across Niagara Falls of course everybody believes him and, okay, and then he, he says, okay, which one of you will get in the wheelbarrow? Yeah, that's cool. I mean, that, that would be trust, wouldn't it? And, of course, nobody, nobody did it. But uh, in, a, in a way, that's like trust in the Lord. You're, you're putting all that you have on the Lord. And, uh, and, and, and you know, that, that is our key verse from, Jeremiah, or from Isaiah 26.3 uh, because thou tr- yeah, perfect peace because thou trustest in me so it's, it's the same thing and uh, that's one thing that uh, I see in the life of Hezekiah there's several times and that uh, the enemy is I think that was Uh, Shanakarib. Shanakarib was attacking, and uh, the enemy was telling you know the people of Judah, don't trust in the Lord, don't trust in Hezekiah. But uh, the word trust shows up a lot with Hezekiah. So when I, I think of trusting. Anyway, my teaching point here is that we are not appointed to wrath either, because we have trusted in the Lord. And I put the verse there from 1 Thessalonians 5, 9. For God hath not appointed us to wrath, but to obtain salvation by our Lord Jesus Christ. And so uh, this this uh, 
this Abedmelech, he, he, he did not face the wrath of the Babylonians because he had trusted in Jehovah God. So, anyway, uh, chapter 40 will be in two weeks. So next week we'll be in the sanctuary, 9 o'clock, so hopefully you can make it to that. And let's uh, just cut out this a little bit early. Does... Uh, who wants to pray for us? Uh, Jason, would you mind praying today, brother? All right. Lord, we just thank you for the way you love us and take care of us. Lord, we pray for uh, the night since we lost Carl. Uh, and we just lift up their family and give them comfort. Uh, just be with us as we go for today. This is a good time of fellowship in your word. In Jesus' name, amen. In name, amen. amen. Thank you. Who, who was that that lost their loved one, uh, Jason?